This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in his power and love even So now. turning your Bibles to the 67th Psalm this morning, and the title of this message is Let the Nations Rejoice, and this is a a special message to get us ready for next Sunday and for our Lottieman Christmas offering in gathering. Psalm 67, and we'll read verses 1 through part of verse 4. May God be gracious to us and bless us. May he make his face shine upon us so that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations rejoice and shout for joy. Father, we we pray that as we study this great psalm this morning, that you would grip our hearts with your global purposes and make us understand that you bless us in order that we might be a blessing and the ultimate blessing that can come to people is to know you and give us the passion of this psalmist, the passion of your heart that all peoples would rejoice in you. And we ask it in the name of Christ. Amen. So we hear the word blessed a lot in our culture. Someone says, how how are you feeling? Feeling blessed? Sometimes we see it on social media, hashtag blessed. And I'm not not putting the use of that word down. Because usually when people talk about being blessed, at least they are attributing their good fortune to something beyond themselves, which is a step in the right direction. Um, So I'm not putting the use of that down, but when most people in our culture talk about being blessed, most of them don't understand the reason for our blessing. The Bible teaches us that we are blessed to be a blessing. In in the first book of the Bible, in in Genesis, when God is creating a a new people, he's creating the people of Israel, he says this to Abraham in Genesis 12, 2 and 3. God says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And so God is telling Abraham, Abraham, through you, I'm going to create a new people, a new nation, the nation of Israel, and I'm going to bless that people. But God says the reason that I'm going to 
bless Israel is not so that my blessings will terminate on Israel. I'm going to bless Israel that Israel might be a blessing to the rest of the world. Now that's exactly what Psalm 67 is about. So let's see, first of all, in the psalm, the need for God's blessing. We see in verse 1 a, a prayer for God's blessings. Verse 1 says, may God be gracious to us and bless us. May he make his face shine upon us. So let's unpack a couple of aspects of this. First of all, may God be gracious to us. You see, it's not that we deserve the blessings of God. As believers, we know that we don't deserve the blessings of God. We, we know that his blessings are all by grace, beginning with our salvation, right? We're saved by grace, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. So we are saved by grace, and God gives us the grace that we need to live for him. Romans 8 and verse 32, he did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? And so if God in his grace did not withhold his own son from us, then do you really think that he is going to withhold anything else that we might need? Any protection, any provision? No. If he didn't even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, if he didn't withhold his own son from us, then he's not going to withhold anything that we need in our lives to live for him. So we're saved by grace and we live by grace. Let's go back to verse 1 again and look at the second phrase. May he make his face shine upon us. So in scripture, God's face is a metaphor for his presence. When, when the scripture talks about God with, withdrawing his face, it's talking about the withdrawal of his presence. And when it talks about God's face shining upon us, it is talking about his presence with us. In our yard, in the summertime, we have spots in our yard where the grass is, is lush and thick and green. And we have other spots in our yard where grass struggles to grow. And the difference between those two spots, there's no mystery to it. The, the, the parts in our yard that where the grass is thick and, and green are the very parts of our yard that get the most sunlight. And the parts of our grass that are kind of partially covered over by foliage, they don't get a lot, a lot of sunlight. That, that's the grass that struggles to grow. Grass needs 
light shining upon it. We need God's face, his presence shining upon us. We need his blessings to grow and to flourish. But why? Why does God bless us? Let's look secondly at the reason, the reason for God's blessing. Let's put verses one and two together. May God be gracious to us and bless us. May he make his face shine upon us so that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. You see the purpose clause at the beginning of verse two. Verse one is a prayer for God's blessings, right? May God be gracious to us and bless us. Verse two is about the purpose of that. So that, so that what? So that your way may be known on earth. Your salvation among all nations. In other words, God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. And the ultimate blessing that anyone can receive is what? To know God. To know God. And so God blesses us to be a blessing to others. And the ultimate way, the ultimate way that we can be a blessing to others is to help them to know God. Now, when he says, so that your way may be known on earth and your salvation among all nations, what, what, is, what is the implication there? That God is not known by much of the earth. That his salvation is not known among all nations. That was true when Psalm 67 was written. And that is true today as well. According to the International Mission Board, there are 7,070 unreached people groups. When we talk about an, an unreached people group, we're talking about a group of people that have, you know, they're distinguished by their own, their own culture, in many cases their own language. Uh, they're a very distinct, they're a distinct people group. We're when we talk about an unreached people group, we're talking about a group of people that has little or no access to the gospel. They have to have help from outside. They have to have a missionary to, to, to come to them and share the gospel and, and begin to make disciples and help ch a church get started because right now, there's, there's nothing. And so they, they have to have outside help. Missionaries have to be sent to share the gospel, make disciples, and, and plant churches. Because right now, they're in a situation of spiritual darkness where there's little or no access to the gospel. That's, that's 7,070 unreached people groups. Now, those 7,070 unreached people groups contain 4.5 billion people. And to give you some perspective on that, the total population of the world is 7.8 billion. 
So what that means is that far more than half of the world's total population lives in one of these unreached people groups with little or no access to the gospel of Christ at this point. Our assignment is to reach them. Jesus gives us the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Just before he ascends into heaven, the risen Christ gives us our marching orders. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. A couple of things about this. First of all, in verse 19, when Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, the word nations there in Greek is ethne. It's where we get the term ethnic from. But what it's talking about is, is all people groups, all distinctive people groups. Within countries, there can be dozens or even hundreds of distinct people groups. Our assignment is to reach each one of them, every tribe and tongue. The second thing that we need to see is, is in verse 20, when Jesus says, I will be with you always. He says, I'll be with you always as you carry out this assignment. So we just talked about God's presence, right? That his, his face shining upon us, his face is a metaphor for his, his presence. Jesus says that my face will be shining upon you. My presence will be with you as you carry out this assignment to make disciples of all nations. When you think about our church, the reason why God has blessed our church through all these years is that, I think two reasons. One is that we believe and teach the Bible. The second is that there's a seriousness about the Great Commission about reaching the lost. That's the heartbeat of God. Let's thirdly look at the result of God's blessing. The result of God's blessing. Which we see in verses 3 and 4. Let the peoples praise you, God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations rejoice and shout for joy. The result of people being rescued by God is the joyous praise of God. John Piper says in his classic book, Let the Nations Be Glad, missions exist because worship doesn't. In other words, the ultimate reason why we do missions, why we send missionaries, is because there are parts of the world, there are people groups on this earth from whom currently there is no worship. There is no joyous praise rising to Jesus because the gospel is not there. It should not be. As we sung earlier, we want his song to be heard everywhere on earth, right? From every people group on earth. We want joyous praise to rise to Jesus. Now, the main organization for our church in supporting uh, missions is the International Mission Board. Not exclusively that. There are, there are many good missions organizations that are doing 
great work. It's not limited to the International Mission Board. And our church is involved, deeply involved, uh, with some other missions organizations, with some missionaries that are not officially a part of the International uh, Mission Board. But when you talk about our Lottie Moon Christmas offering, that's, that's, it, that's an IMB offering, right? Every, every penny that is given to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering goes to send and sustain IMB missionaries. Um, and when we think about the work of the International Mission Board and how that relates to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, 59% of IMB's total budget comes from the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Almost 60% of their budget is, is based on this special offering that we, that we have. About 60% is the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, and then about 30% of the International Mission Board's budget comes from the cooperative program. So the cooperative program is the general fund that, that all 40-some thousand Southern Baptist churches contribute to. Our church uh, has designated 10% of our budget to go to the cooperative program. Now, we give more than 10% of our budget to missions because the, the money that we give to our, our, friend, our North African friend, uh, the, our on-mission fund and other things that we support in missions, that's not a part of our giving to the cooperative program. That's over and beyond that um, in our budget. But 10% of our budget is earmarked for the, the cooperative program. Of, of that, okay, 49% of that goes to the SBC of Virginia to start new churches and to strengthen existing churches in Virginia and do missions work in our state. 51% of that goes to uh, the Southern Baptist Convention, and the vast majority of that goes to the International Mission Board. Um, so the way that IMB works, again, 59% comes from the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, about 30, 31% comes from the cooperative program, another 10% comes from special gifts, estate gifts, and things like that. That's how IMB operates. Um, now, currently, you support, through the IMB, about 3,600 fully funded international missionaries. So let's think about, when we think about the International Mission Board, since our Lottie Moon Christmas offering is next week, Let's think about how it's going. I want to give you a little bit of a report about how it's going this morning. How's it going with the International Mission Board? In 2019, which is the last year that we have, you know, complete statistics for, in 2019, your IMB missionaries shared the gospel 535,325 times. Three, th that, many time, that many people heard the message of the gospel. As an IMB trustee, I can tell you, nobody gets commissioned as an IMB trustee unless they have already demonstrated that they are bold in sharing the gospel. 
if you are not a bold witness, if you are not actively sharing the gospel often in your life, you're just, you're just not going to make it through the, the vetting process to be commissioned as an IMB missionary. So we're commissioning people who are already bold in sharing the gospel before they go. And then once they go, the number of conversation, gospel conversations is something that is held closely accountable. Uh, it was really cool in 2019 uh, to, to travel, to, to meet with some of our, our IMB workers and to sit down in the living room of an apartment with them one night. And they were talking about the course of their week and what, what had been happening that week. And it was so beautiful just to hear them share about gospel conversations that they had been having with people throughout the week. And, and those, the number of those gospel conversations is, is tracked. You know, they were sharing. I had this many opportunities to share the gospel. I shared the message of the gospel, you know, this many times this, this week. And so that's, that's something that's, that's, that they're held accountable for and that they joyously do. But that resulted in... 535,325 people hearing the message of the gospel in 2019. 47,929 were baptized. 12,368 new churches were started. Why is it important to start new churches on the mission field? Because the goal is for the work to be sustained when we're no longer there. The, the, the goal is for churches to be planted so that the work can go on, right? After we leave, once we help churches get started, then we can go to another unreached people group. But for new churches, you have to have what? Pastors. So that's another important thing. In 2019, 18,598 pastors were trained overseas, which is a beautiful thing. All right, that's 2019. Let's talk about 2020. How has the crisis of 2020 impacted our efforts with IMB? We talked about cooperative program funding, right? This is all SBC churches, some 40-some thousand of them, all SBC churches are asked to give a portion of their budget to the cooperative program. Now, our church gives 10%. That is rare. Most SBC churches don't give anything like 10% of their budget to the cooperative program. Um, but what happened this past year with COVID and the economic fallout from COVID is that cooperative program giving to the IMB was down 3.1 million. As, the, as COVID hit, as economic fallout began, the, the amount of funds that, that our churches in America, our SBC churches, were giving to the cooperative program declined. And what that means is that it's going, it, it, hits, it hits our missionary force. Right, so cooperative program giving to the IMB was down $3.1 million. However, and this is a great praise, Lottie Moon Christmas offering giving was up $3.9 million, which is awesome because it more than offset 
the downturn that we've experienced in cooperative program giving. However, we have to understand that, that most of those, that 3.9 million that was given to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering was given in December of 2019 and January of 2020 before COVID hit and before the economic fallout that came from that. And so the issue is, what is the Lottie Moon offering going to look like this year? It's almost 60% of IMB's budget now that we are in the midst of all that we are, are, are going through um, with, uh, with, with, with COVID. And I would remind you of this. We were, at IMB, we were still deep in recovery from the recession of 2007 and 2008. I mentioned earlier that we currently have a fully funded missionary force of 3,600. But do you know what it was in the mid-2000s, before the Great Recession? It was about 5,600. We've lost 2,000 missionaries. Even more than 2,000, because the numbers were rising prior to COVID hitting. So the numbers actually were below 3,600. And so we lost more than 2,000 missionaries. Part of that was through a voluntary retirement initiative that was done a few years ago. But listen, the reason for that was all the lack of, it was all about the lack of funding. <laughs> I mean, everything goes back to that, right? When giving goes down in the churches, what it does is it hits. It, and it, and, it, and it, hits our, it hits our missionaries, our ability to, to, send, to send missionaries and to keep missionaries on, on, the, on the field. So the need is greater than ever. Um, last week, if you were here you, or were watching, you saw that our church presented to carry a check for $10,000 to go to, to help purchase food to take to refugees in Bangkok. But the reason that our church did that is because the, their, fund, their funding had been temporarily cut off to do that. They rely on, on, on sin relief for the funds to be able to, to feed these, to take food to these refugees. But sin relief, which is sort of, that's IMB's sort of mercy ministry wing. It's for hungry people, people in desperate situations, disaster relief, that kind of thing. Sin relief was completely overwhelmed. Because in the past nine months, what's happening as in, in these poorer countries, yeah, listen, we think about the impact of this pandemic here because we're in America and this is the air that we breathe and we have been impacted and people in this room have been impacted, I know. But countries like ours are far better able to withstand something like this in the poor countries of the world, that is not the case. In, in the poor countries of the world, this has been devastating beyond what we can even imagine here, economically. And so, for instance, the fight against global poverty 
has been set back decades in the past nine months. And we will be years, the world will be years recovering from that. So what's happening is that our missionaries across the world are ministering to people who are just in desperate straits. What that does is that it increases the numbers of requests that are, are coming to, you know, to IMB, to Sin, Sin Relief, which is our mercy ministry part of IMB. And so it's overwhelming. And, and there are not enough funds to meet all the needs. And so that's why Martin and Carrie's funding was temporarily stopped, and that's why our church stepped in to help them to carry them through a number of months. However, that is a little microcosm of what is happening throughout the world. It is, it is a desperate, hurting world. And so what that means is that our church, as a Great Commission church, you know, we have to evaluate very carefully and prayerfully in a world that is hurting this badly, where the needs are this great, part of what we have to do is continually evaluate, you know, how, how are we leveraging, are we leveraging our, our resources in the most strategic way, in the most needed way for God's glory around the world? The need has never been greater. On the other hand, the opportunity has never been greater. Because when, peop when people are in desperation and when people are hurting and we're able to go with them and we're able to go with tangible expressions of mercy and compassion, they are all the more open to the message of the, of the gospel. Let's look, let's look forward to the next five years and I wanna talk just for a moment about IMB's 2025 strategic goals. Where are we headed? by God's grace. One goal is to mobilize 75% of SBC churches to support the work of the IMB. You say, Pastor, don't 100% of SBC churches support the work of the IMB? Isn't that like the biggest thing that we're supposed to be about? Yes. In fact, that's the reason why the SBC was started to begin with, was to support missions. But the reality is that only about 57% of SBC churches give anything to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. 43% of our churches give not a penny to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And, and very, very little to the cooperative program. If we could raise that number from 57% to 75%, in the next five years, that would be an absolute game changer in the support of, of, of missions. Okay, second goal, increase our fully funded missionary force by 500. So we'd like by 2025 to get it from 3,600 to about 4,100. Now to do that, we have to commission way more than 500 people. We have to commission about 2,000 because of attrition and retirements and things like that. But the goal is to get that number up 500 from where it is now, and then keep going. A third goal in the next five years is to mobilize 500 new global partners to be sent out from the nations. So the, the goal at IMB 
is not simply to send missionaries from America to other countries. The goal, once we begin to do our work in other countries, is to send people out from those countries to other countries, from that people to other peoples, because they have all kinds of natural doors that can open, just like our friend that we know and love that is, is North African in descent. I don't mention his, names, his name on Sunday morning. But because he, is, he, is, he's, he, he speaks Arabic, he has, he has access to get to a lot of places that Americans just don't have. Right? And that's the case in many parts of the world. So our goal at IMB is not simply to send people from America to the nations, is to send people from the nations to the nations. That's what we talk about when we talk about global partners. We want to see 500 more of those in the next five years. A fourth goal is to engage 75 global cities in comprehensive strategies for making disciples and planting churches. Our world is urbanizing at a rapid rate. People are moving to the mega global cities of, of the world. That's a great opportunity for the gospel. That was Paul's strategy. When you read the book of Acts, when you read the New Testament, what was Paul doing? He would go to cities, right? He would go to Corinth. He would go to Ephesus. He would go to Rome. Why? Because people were gathered there. People gather in these cities from all over the world. And as they come to know Christ in these cities, they go out from that to the world. So city, these cities are like epicenters for the gospel. And the ripple effects from the gospel go out from these cities. So we want to engage 75 global cities in comprehensive strategies for making disciples and planting churches. And then finally, we want to increase giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering by 6% annually. Here's where we come in. Because, see, we're conditioned to think about missionaries, our missionary force, as the people who are on the field. But what you have to remember is that they cannot get to the field without us. They cannot be kept on the field without us. The Apostle Paul understood this very well. In Romans chapter 10 and verses 14 and 15, he says, How then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach, what? Unless they are sent. And so next week is about sending. The Lottie Moon Christmas offering is about sending. We're going to ask you to come next week prepared to give so that others may go. If you're not here in person, you can send that in, that others may be sent. The disaster began about noon in Chile's Atacama Desert. Miners, deep in the heart of the earth, began to feel strange vibrations followed by an explosion. And what had happened was that a, a, a piece of rock 45 stories high had broken loose from that mountain 
and had fallen down, cascading, taking much of the mountain with it. And it sealed in 33 miners in the heart of the earth. The foreman of those miners, a man named Luis Urzua, said that when the dust settled and he looked at the side of that rock that was sealing them in, he said it, it, it looked like what he would imagine the, 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 the tomb of Jesus, the stone covering the tomb of Jesus would have looked like. But we know what happened to that stone, right? And what happened here is that over the course of 69 days, a hole was drilled into the heart of that mountain. And on October 13, 2010, a capsule was lowered through this tunnel deep into the, the deep down dark of this mountain. This capsule was lowered and all 33 of those miners were raised to, to life, to rescue. Our, the, our missionaries on the field are, are just like that capsule. They, they are lowered into the deep down dark so that the light of Christ can shine. But how did, how did that day how did, that, how, did that, how did that capsule get lowered? How did the rescue capsule get lowered? How did it get raised back up that they could live? It was a giant crane that was doing that work. Our, our missionaries are the capsule going down into the deep down dark. Churches like ours act as the crane so that they can be lowered and so that people can be raised to life in the power of the gospel and to know the God who still moves stones for his glory. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you'd make us faithful. Lord, make us faithful as a church. The, the needs of our world are so desperate. But Lord, you have, you have purposed that we live at this time you, you purpose for each one of us that, that we would live in 2020, in the times that we're living in, the desperate needs that are here, but yet the incredible opportunities that are here. And we pray that you would make us faithful. We pray that you would give us your heart. Lord, give us your compassion for the peoples of the world that need to know you, the harvest fields of the world. We pray that you would raise up laborers to go, but we know that they can't go unless they are sent. And so, Lord, toward that end, we pray that you would make us faithful as a church and even more faithful in, 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 these, in these times that we're living in to pray and to give and to go that joyous praise to our Savior would rise from every people group on this earth. Let the nations rejoice in knowing Christ. Make us faithful 
to be a part of that process. We ask it in Jesus' name. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin, but I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1:12, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine it. Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth, is now your loving father and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you want to spend time with him. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia.